Welcome to the Workplace Chameleon. This is Dr. Selena. Thanks for tuning in. Some of you may have heard me tell the story along the way that my first my first real job, right? I was a preacher's kid, so I helped around whatever my dad needed. I helped a friend with the paper route. I did a lot of babysitting. But my first real job, like somebody else is paying me, uh, was as a certified nursing assistant in a nursing home in Webster City, Iowa. And I still remember very quickly being taught a phrase that I'm still hearing, you know, at like age 52 right now. And it sounded like this. It was first shift. It was second shift. It was third shift. It wasn't us. It was them. So I was working second shift after my high school day going on for the evening. And it was one of the first impressions I had about what the real workplace was going to be like. And here I am, a lot of years later, still hearing the phrase. And it probably is intertwined with my fascination for how we do this in organizations and how do we create healthy teams and what does this look like in our ecosystem of organizations that literally keep our world running? And what I've come to understand from the research and as I combine that with just plain employee behavior, there's a phrase that's used in the research called interface. Because from an employee behavior standpoint, it is the handoffs and transitions that get us into trouble, that create potential disruption in a company. Because anytime you have a point like that, some sort of handoff or transition, it is where there is the best opportunity for messing it up. So whether that is from shift to shift, building to building, upstairs to downstairs, office to field, field to office, project manager to foreman, foreman to project manager, leader to direct report, direct report to leader. If you start looking around at work processes and flow, the ones that tend to challenge us more are where there is some sort of step or potential disruption. So in the organizational context, an interface refers to some sort of point or interaction, a connection between two or more components, systems, or processes within an organization. It can be thought more of as a boundary between different parts, so that represents a little bit more the department-to-department position to position, shift to shift, but it's really ultimately the space where communication and exchange take place. It can take a variety of forms within an organization. So a physical interface, we might look at as a point in which two pieces of equipment connect. So those that are involved in facilities or machine operation or equipment Process uh, using equipment of whatever you, you're building or processing. We know that when those connections 
are not aligned or they're broken, the machine or the process can't run well, right? Same thing happens with people. Now, we could also look at a digital interface. It would refer more to a point where two software systems interact, such as an interface between a customer relationship management system, a CRM, and an email marketing system. So I have to enter it in this spot, but then it won't talk to this program, so I have to enter it there too. I'm suspecting many of you have different systems for different places and sometimes they don't interact or if they do, they have to speak the same language. So the CRM has to talk to the email marketing system. An organizational interface is really an opportunity that it is a point in which two departments or teams within an organization collaborate or share information. The term interface itself is most often used in really the context of systems thinking and design, where it is so important that we consider how different parts of complex systems interact and communicate with each other. Why talk about this today? Because in my work, when I am talking with companies and listening to their challenges, many of them are because the interface is disconnected. So understanding interfaces within an organization can help improve communication, coordination, efficiency. It also helps us identify where improvements can be made. By focusing on the interfaces and improving communication and collaboration between different parts of an organization ultimately will help us perform and become more effective. I work with an organization that decided they were going to take this on and try something new. And here's how it went. I'm going to give you their model. This model may not work for you, but I love the example. This particular organization decided that the third week of every month on a Thursday, in the afternoon, like from one to five o'clock, There would be so many X amount of slots made available where someone could sign up for one hour of that time slot to visit another department. Those parameters were put in place because they didn't want it just to be mass chaos that everybody gets up and goes somewhere else and all of a sudden no work is getting done. And again, it can be certainly um, adjusted for the size of your organization. But here's what they did. I could sign up for a slot. So from one to two o'clock, if I was in the sales and marketing department, I could go sign up for an hour in engineering. If I was in production, I could go sign up for an hour with sales sales and marketing. And you could do this across the organization for one hour. Now, not only did I sign up for it, and again, these were pending approval and pending projects going on and how many people could sign up, but I could sign up for an hour and want to go learn more about that department. But here's what also happened. When I showed up in that department, they were ready for me. So this wasn't like freestyle. This would be, they knew exactly what they were going to show me for that hour. And it was a working session. So not only would I shadow, but I got to ask questions 
We got to look at processes or things that might impact me or them. In as little as one hour, we saw immediate improvement. By the time that person walked out of that department and went back into their own space, they already saw it different. It doesn't even take an hour. That's what worked for this group. Yet consider when you have had that opportunity to learn something from a different viewpoint, how it changes the way you now interact. In a past life of mine, when I had teams in Malaysia, Hong Kong, and Singapore, and it was the early days of video conferencing was too expensive and we couldn't afford it. So we had audio only on conference calls. For my team, if I didn't get them on a phone call with each other every three weeks, you could hear just the gritchiness in the emails escalate. And they all liked each other. I had teams in the States, I had teams in Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, and Canada, actually. And, you know, it was this continuous email chain of communication. Well, if they didn't know each other and they didn't know there were humans on the other side of that, then the emails became much more demanding or they just didn't have the personable tone that team members need. And that was a physical and time zone, right? Just geographic difference. Now, It also made a huge difference when one could visit the other. So I would take some of my team members and go to Hong Kong or Hong Kong would come here. And it just completely changed the way they interact. Now, in this hybrid, geographically dispersed work world, that's not always possible. But how could you see that a little bit differently? Where are some of those pain points for you in your teams or between a team of teams? Maybe you can't start at the whole organization level, but where you receive work from or where you send work to, if you can just start identifying what about that relationship would you like to be better? What would that look like? Is it just uh, cleaning up some processes or managing some expectations That's what I want you to think about today. You don't have to roll out a whole company-wide program and you don't need to fly anybody anywhere. But start somewhere. Because creating healthy workplace relationships involves a number of key factors like clear communication, respect, trust, positive attitudes. And when those handoff and transitions happen, and they go badly, it's because there's no relationship. If I don't know you, it's way easier to talk poorly about you or make assumptions about what you are or what you did. And we see that in shift work. That is, if there is much as as little as a five-minute handoff between first to second and second to third, if I can see that person and know who they are and what they're about, It changes the way we interact. And ultimately, it changes the way we back each other up. 
So we need to set some expectations on how we foster positive work relationships across handoffs and transitions. So number one, we need to practice clear communication. What is the expectation for communication to pass from one entity to another? Is it verbal? Is it email? Is it written messages? Is it a handwritten log? There need to be some standards like this is the type of information we collect. This is the type of information that needs to be passed on. This is the format that it is passed on. And these are the key things that need to be included. We need to be clear and concise in our communication so that we know the message has been easily understood and acted upon. Number two, to foster positive workplace relationships across handoffs and transitions, we need to show some respect. Respect, of course, is essential in any healthy relationship. When we badmouth other departments or shifts, how can we even begin to expect them to work well with us? Okay. I predict that some of you, or you know someone who likes Selena, seriously, not everybody's going to get along. There's histories, there's memories, but you got to start somewhere. When you treat them with respect, even if you disagree with them, respect their opinion, their ideas, or even their boundaries. Consider for you what respect means. And even if it has been crunchy, my word for some conflict's been there, how can you draw a line and start just fresh? Maybe for you, it's a, you know what? I know we haven't always seen eye to eye on this, but I would like to ask you for a few minutes for us to maybe just identify pain points in this process and what we might be able to do to improve it. Just think about how many times people stuff comes up because we had bad processes. There's a ton of research out there that we put people in bad processes all the time and then wonder why they mess up. Well, can we show some respect for the other person and work on cleaning up the process? Because number three, that builds trust. And we know, and I think I say it like every episode, right? That trust is an essential element for a healthy relationship. Do you trust others that you receive work from or hand work off to? It starts with us being trustworthy so that we do our jobs well and in a reliable manner. And when we make a mistake, we own up to it and work to fix it. But here's what I also know. If I mess up, you need to give me a little bit of space to fix it and work to improve it. But if you shut me down or make assumptions or just expect that I always have poor intentions, this isn't going to get better. So our mindset or our ability to maintain a positive attitude, number four, can go a long way in creating a healthy workplace, being friendly, being helpful, and supporting others. And this isn't some sort of fake, right? I know people may jump on your last nerve, 
but this is a choice. How do we help offer encouragement when others are facing challenges? How do we shift our mindset to be helpers in these handoffs and transitions so that five, we can foster teamwork? Because the only way this continues to get better, more effective, thriving, not just surviving in our workplaces is to maximize the hack out of collaboration and teamwork. Working together to achieve those common goals comes from when we are on the same page that we can share information, ideas, and feedback. We have to be able to have conversations. While I recognize those five key points to healthy workplace relationships are not new, In fact, we have lots of episodes that deal with even any of those at any time. But I want you to think about it a little bit differently today. It's one thing to do it within your team. It's another thing to do it in handoffs and transitions. We need to make sure we're repairing damaged relationships. And sometimes that's hard, but it is possible with effort, patience, and good communication. So if there has been some damage done across shifts, across departments, across work processes, make sure that you acknowledge the damage. Take responsibility for any mistakes or actions that have contributed to the problem and apologize sincerely. Demonstrate that you understand where you are at now. And then... Listen actively. Listen to the other person's concerns, feelings, or perspective. Be open to feedback and willing to learn from their experience. What does that sound like? Help me understand. When I do this or our department does this, how does that impact your work? And then listen. Now, you might say, Selena, maybe I'm not the department manager, but you receive work from someone and you hand work off to somebody else. How can you see it from their perspective and simply ask them some questions? What goes well for you? What goes poorly for you? Is there anything I can do to help better? When this happens, how would you like me to respond? By listening to that, it allows us to communicate more effectively. It helps us avoid blaming and criticizing and focusing on solutions to the problems. Now. When I add in number four of setting boundaries, so first was acknowledge the damage, second was listen actively, three was keep working on that communication, communicate effectively, four, we do need to set some boundaries to prevent similar issues from arising in the future. So what does that sound like? Next time this happens, let's meet for five minutes to review to make sure we put the right new process in place. Or when this happens, you'll email me, right? Or when this happens, this is important, you'll call me. This can involve setting guidelines for communication and establishing expectations for how we're going to respond, our behavior. Number five, we always work on rebuilding trust. And that takes time and effort. So you need to be consistent in your actions and demonstrate that you can be replied, relied upon. 
That can be following through with your commitments, being accountable, communicating openly and honestly. Now, while it may not be fully possible to restore the relationship to what it was before, we can take some steps across our shifts, across our departments, between our locations, between positions to encourage positive and healthy relationships with our coworkers. And you know what? You know why that's good? When we have healthier relationships between teams, departments, and shifts, we see increased productivity, improved communication, ah, better job satisfaction. Who wants to have happier days, better teamwork, and reduced stress? So while overall healthy relationships at work contribute to a positive and productive work culture, it comes from the very actions we take day to day. And that we can control for. It may look daunting if we look wider than that. But start with your next conversation. Start with your next email. Start with the next moment you're like, ah, why didn't they do that? Because my question always is, did they know? On behalf of the Workplace Chameleon, learn something new today. Smash mental health stigmas. And not only do I say this to my daughters, but I do love the phrase and make good choices. Until next time, this is Dr. Selena. <laughs>